0: Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? It's much better than being outside in the weather, and the storms, the rain, getting all wet. And How many people like to just be cold and wet? No, not too many people, right? They don't like to be cold and wet. But uh, I just want to, I, I need your help tonight. I just got something that the Lord's kind of laid on my heart. Um, we're going to hope that it flows. And uh, that God has God just does something with it. I have no doubt that He will. This is definitely Him, not me. Uh, but we want to turn to Second Peter 2, 21 and 22. Pastor would probably be proud tonight, since on Wednesdays he's going through Second Peter. We're already using it. All right. We're not even there to the, where he's at yet, but we're gonna we're gonna go to Second Peter 2, 21 and 22, and says, "For it has been." For it had been better for them not to have known the way of the righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 22 says, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again in the uh, in the sow that was washed uh, to her wallowing in the mire. And Hebrews 10.26 says, for, for if we sin... Willfully, after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, for sin. I just want to minister tonight just on this three simple words that just says, don't give up. Don't give up. You guys can help me pray tonight. And Father God, Lord, we just love and praise you tonight, God. We just thank you, God, for your word and for your will, God. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would just take this word. God, that you would anoint it and magnify it, God, Lord, that the words that are coming forth, God, Lord, that they are your words, Lord, though they come through a familiar voice and a familiar tone, Lord, I pray, God, that your words would be the ones that come forth and show through, God, Lord, and we'll give you the glory and the honor, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Each and every one of us in here are different. No no two people are the same. No two people are exactly alike. Now, don't get me wrong, I know that we have identical twins and people that can have uh, genetics that are identical. If you take a blood test, you wouldn't know which is which. But uh, when you factor in personality, likes, dislikes, uh, things tend to be different there. No two people tend to be exactly the same. One's not a replica. Of the other, there will be differences in personality. The people will like uh, different types of food than the other. They may like different interests in uh, television, music, whatever it may be. But for all of us being different, we all have a past. We all have a place uh, from where we came. Uh, Things that we were taught along the way, some things that we've just had to figure out uh, along the way also. not, Not everybody's been taught the same way. Not everybody's been raised the same way. Some of us were born and raised in church, and some have may have been coming for years now. Some of the some of you, this may be your first year, and uh, somebody this may even be their very first service, very first time in the church. But no matter how you got here, the important thing is that you're here. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how you were raised. You know, if you've been in here your entire life from. Uh, the age of six months or whatever, or this is just your first service, the important thing is that you're here. And that God has a plan for each and every one of us. Now, whether you choose to accept it or, or not, it's just totally up to you. There is God has a plan for each and every one of us. Uh, no plan, just like uh, our personalities, just like we are, no plan is the same. God's not going to pick uh, two people to do the exact same thing. He's going to use you according to your, to your works and the talents that he has given you. And, but God's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to force himself upon any of us. His desire, though, is that we worship and that we praise him. That's his desire, but he will never beg us to do it. He, you know, he's given us every opportunity, he's done things for us, but he's not going to uh, beg us to worship and to praise him. So for those of you that this is not your first time, you will agree that, you'll probably agree with me when I say that uh, just because you decide to live for God doesn't mean that there's not going to be bad days. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be roses and and sweet smelling things from now on out, because there will be bad days. Because our walk with God, when we choose to decide to walk for him, uh, it's going to be full of peaks and valleys. You're going to have your highs and you're going to have your lows. Because let's be honest, without the valleys, our peaks would not be as enjoyable. If we we didn't have our lows, if we didn't get down every once in a while, when we actually got to the peak, when we actually got to the top of that mountain, we would not be very appreciative of it. We would not appreciate it at all. So we cannot get to a place to where, in our walk with God, that we just start to wonder that, you know, what would it be like if I just gave up? If I just walked away right now, what... What would it really matter? I mean, come on, right? You're living this life. Things are, you know, you got rules and stuff if you're reading your word. that You've got certain dress that you want to live by. You've got certain things you can't do, whatever. It just seems like you're full of rules and that this world is just doing whatever it wants to do, right? And whenever you, that's what you're surrounded by, you, they make you think that that's what's awesome. That's what's enjoyable. That's, gonna be, that's, got, that's what's going to make you happy. But we can't get to a place in our walk that that's what we decide. You know what? We, we start to let our mind wander and we start to wonder, what would it be like if I just wasn't in church? And you start to think about all the good things that could probably happen, right? But that's just a trick of the devil. He tries to make you think things that would be so much better that living, a, that, uh, that, living that life outside of there, you, you get to do whatever you want, there's total freedom. You're never going to have any down days. You're going to be able because you're going to get to do whatever you want. If you start doing something, you don't like what you're doing, you do something else. But we know that living for God and doing his will has its reward. Its reward will come in eternity. Not in this temporary short time that we're living on earth. Not these few days, few numbered years that we have living on this earth. Just temporary satisfaction. It's only for a season, but but we know that living for God, if we if we choose to walk down the path that He's laid before us, if we choose to make that decision, that our reward's going to come in eternity. We're going to see streets of gold. We're going to see get a dance. We're going to you know get a shout. We're not going to be we complain about the heat, right? Some days, but uh, it's going to be a little bit hotter in a different place. It's going to be a little bit hotter. So there's things you know I'd much rather go through. Uh, you know things that I don't want to do on earth or what down days or, or whatever to get to spend an eternity in heaven with God. God talks to us about our walk with him and compares it to a race. When you read through your word, there's so many references to, to talking about running and to races. And Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet... Bred to the wise, nor yet riches of men, of understanding, nor yet favor of men, of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. It says the race is not to the swift. He's just talking about running. It's not to the wise. And it's, that's in reference to our walk with him. It doesn't matter how fast you run. We're all going to get to the same place. You don't need to be in a hurry to get there. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every way to end the sin which doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Running with patience. That's what he's telling us to do. So just a little poll. How many of you like to run in here? One, two, three, four. Not very many people like to run. It's just Why not? It's just not a passion of everybody's. I've recently started running again, past few weeks, and I can tell you that I used to love running a lot, when it was a whole lot easier. (laughs) When I was probably about 60 pounds lighter, and a few years ago, I was in a little bit better shape, so it was a little bit easier to do, so I enjoyed it a lot more. When I was in high school, it was what I enjoyed to do. I did cross country and track, and, and of course, I did wrestling, and and all of those sports involve running, so I had to be either crazy or I had to like it. One of the two. And so I did enjoy running. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the most I really ever ran at a time was a little over three miles. So you just run your three miles. You run it really fast, and you get done, and then you just you're done. You're good to go, right? But now, for me, running is a real struggle. It's uh, it's not easy like it used to be. <laughs> My muscles hurt. <laughs> i can 't breathe it's just terrible I, but i'm gonna, I, but I keep doing it I want to keep doing I want to keep doing it, I want to keep doing it. <laughs> in the last few days i've not been able to do it but uh, but I want to keep doing it because there's a couple things that I know that if I never would have stopped running to begin with, it wouldn't be so difficult now if i never, if, if, if all through high school I just had kept running, uh, things would not be hard now it would <laughs> i 'd still be in really good shape, you know feel like I'd be in really good shape. <clears throat> but the other thing that I know is that if I continue to run, I'm going to get better and it's going to get easier. So either way, if I would continue to do it, whether I continued from the beginning or if I picked it back up, I'm gonna, it's going to get easier because my muscles are going to get used to it. My lungs are going to start getting a little bit better with breathing. But I was, as I was studying this and thinking about running and, and how God compares it to a race, and, and it's just like a light bulb went off in my head. Have you ever had like an aha moment? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I was just thinking how God is just so smart. <clears throat> he's just, we know that he's just got this infinite wisdom and, and he's, just, uh, he's just a really, really a genius. Yeah. Because when you think about running a distance race, it's probably the best analogy that he could use to describe our walk with him. That's right. Because it's not a sprint. You know, we talk about our walk and our walk is a lifelong journey and you know, your ups and downs, your, you know, all those things, your joys, sadness, all the things that we go through. But it's just like a uh just like a run, just like a dis a long distance run. We can't think about like a hundred meter dash or something like that, because that's really quick and then it's over. And you're just barely even out of breath, I think, sometimes when you by the time you get done with that race. But when you think about a distance race, if you've ever ran for a long distance, or perhaps you talk to somebody that's ever ran for a long distance, uh, you will learn that. Really, it's more of a mental battle, more so than the physical battle. Because right. running, uh, you can condition your muscles and, and all that stuff, but whenever you start running for hours and hours at a time, uh, that's when the mental battle starts to take place. That's when all the thinking, and why don't I just stop, and I just give up now, and, you know, my muscles, they're not really hurting, but they're, you know, they, you, uh, if you've ever heard of somebody, they get like a runner's high, where their legs and their body is just moving, they're not even thinking because they're just that well-conditioned that they don't have to worry about focusing on what they're doing. Their body is just trained. I've been wanting to do a, uh, a marathon. I've been thinking about this since uh, for years, but uh, you think about a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. That's a long way. You've got to be kind of crazy to want to run that anyway. But I know at this moment, I'm not ready. I'm not ready in my current uh, physical condition to go and run 26.2 miles. I just know that it's not possible for me or it would just be not very smart to try and do it. I think I would end up with an injury or whatever, but I would probably start off with a half marathon. That's one of the things that the Evansville half marathon is going to be coming up soon, and it's one of those things that some guy at work was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing. I'm like, "Mm, I might try and start running and see where I'm at. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see where my baseline is. It's not as good as I'd hoped it would be, so we'll see, we'll see how that one works out. But, w- but you would start off with something small and then work your way up to a marathon. So I'd start off with a half, maybe a 5K, 10K, then do the half marathon, and then work your way up to uh, the full marathon. And that would be an accomplishment, right? But so as I'm doing this, I'm looking up at what, it, what would it take, because I've never trained for a marathon. The most I've ever ran at a time has been... Three miles, so I'm looking at what it takes, what kind of training they're looking at. Because it's not something that you can just wake up and say that I'm going to do it. Right. You can't just wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what, I'm going to go run a marathon and just go out and run 26.2 miles. Right. At least I can't, and I don't think any normal person can. <clears throat> but there is training that needs to take place. One of the apps that I use when I'm running that tracks all my runs and distance and tells me my pace and stuff... It has a marathon breaking down into 12 to 20 weeks. So really, they want you to train for a little while before you try and go run that distance. I'm definitely not there. And, of course, the 12 weeks is on. If you probably are able to run at 5K or a half already, then it's just kind of like working up to longer distances. 20 weeks is probably where I'm at. You're not very good at running. <laughs> You're uh, probably going to go out and purchase your first pair of running shoes. That's kind of might be where 20 weeks is at. <clears throat> In 2016, the average time for a man to run, the, uh, run a marathon in the U.S. was 4 hours and 22 minutes and 7 seconds. And for the women was 4 hours, 47 minutes and 40 seconds. That was the average pace for somebody to run a marathon. So that's a long time to just be running. <laughs> There's an end in somewhere inside, four and a half hours away, to just run. That's a long time to run. Because this race is so long and challenging, there are uh, stations actually throughout the courses. If you've ever seen them, been around them, they even uh, sometimes do them in 5K races, 10K races. Uh, there's uh, aid stations all throughout the course that have water. Some have Gatorade. Marathons, you'll find some that have snacks, some gels, something that's high in electrolytes to replenish your body along this run because they know how much a run like this can deplenish your body. You can become dehydrated if you haven't been uh, training properly or whatever. You can become dehydrated. Your muscles will start to cramp. You can actually get injured really seriously doing these runs if you're not prepared for them. So that's why they have these aid stations. You can stop. You can refuel. You can uh, get the electrolytes back in your body because you're just sweating them all out. That's all you're doing, right? You're just running, and you're just getting rid of this water, getting rid of all the food and stuff that you just ate, all the carbs, all the sugar, and you're just going to deplete your body. So it's kind of just like our walk with God, right? It's not a sprint. It's a distance run. It requires commitment and dedication. Our walk is not something that we're just going to wake up one day and we're just going to be good at it. We're just going to be perfect. It's just everything's going to go right and and nothing's going to go wrong. So just like a marathon, if you think about it, we kind of have stations ourselves. We have aid stations. They're called churches. If you think of a church as an aid station, if you compare it to running a marathon, there are places that we get replenished. If you go into a church, you're going to get what you're getting right now. You're going to get the Word, which is going to be your food. That's going to be your nourishment. That's going to be your bread. That's going to be replenishing what you're losing. If you, if you continue to come, you're going to, you're going to get prayer. And that's going to be, think of it as your water, your electrolytes. your replenishing, talking to God. This is how, this is your aid station. Because all throughout the week you're running a race and you're running and you're running into obstacles. You've got your hills. You're running up hills. Hills are probably the worst when you're a runner. At least for me, I could never run hills. You give me a flat ground, I'm good to go. But if you give me hills, I'm just it'll kill me every time. My pace will be tore up. My legs just weren't built for it. But that's what we're going through. Throughout the week, we're going up hills. We're going down hills. We're going around curves. We're going. Running on different terrains. That's that's our work week. That's our school week. That's everything that we uh, come into. That's our family life. Just all these things that we are uh, tackling throughout the week, and then we have to come to an aid station. It's our time in the middle of the week. And if you pass by the aid station, you're like, I'm I'm on I'm on cruise. I'm on a pace. I've got to get there, and I can't. I don't have time to stop at the aid station to get replenished. What's going to happen? Your body. You're going to end up getting dehydrated. You're going to end up getting cramps. You're going to end up. So, you're gonna end up slipping, you're gonna end up falling, you're gonna end up wanting to stop doing it, you're gonna get hurt. Things are gonna happen. Because, yes, fasting is hard. Because I'm never hungry unless I say I'm gonna fast. It's just ridiculous. I don't know how it works. It's true, though. I'm the most hungry when I'm saying, all right, I'm not gonna fast. I can even eat a big meal before I go to bed because I know I'm gonna fast breakfast. It's kind of cheating. But I'm still hungry when I get up. I don't get it. But you can make it. And sometimes prayer is difficult. Because we just put it on the back burner. It's one of those things that we just, uh, we can bypass it. It's one of those things, oh, it slipped my mind. I, I got so tied up doing something else and it slipped my mind. But that doesn't mean that you stop. Just because it's difficult. Just because you oh, missed it one day. That doesn't mean that you stop the prayer. Bible reading can be tough. When you're reading through, when you want to read through the King James Version and you're trying to make it through and you get through all these begats and begots and all the names that you cannot pronounce, it gets tough. But you don't, but you won't learn what you don't read. You won't learn it if you never read it. So even if you've got to butcher every name in this Bible... Even if you've got to break up the begots and begats into a couple days of reading, just so you don't fall asleep, you'll never learn what you don't read. So you cannot share this with somebody if you don't know it yourself. For most people that want to run a marathon, their main goal is to just finish. As I was researching for this, that's, most of them, it's, just a, it's something that they've got on their bucket list, kind of like mine. I never ran one. I couldn't tell you what pace I'd even want to try and keep, what time I'd even want to shoot for. So for most people that want to run a marathon, their goal is to just finish, It's to make it to the end without being injured, without being hurt. Without. So what they do is they show up to these competitions and they get to know the people that they're running with because eventually they're going to probably be running with somebody along the way because it's four and a half hours of running. <laughs> And they're trying to just make it to the end. That's right. Time is not important. They just want to continue forward no matter the pain, no matter the temptation that they want to give up. Because it's going to be there. Amen. They know that if they stop, it'll be even more difficult to start again. That's, right. Amen. That's probably one of the worst things you can do as a runner. When you're getting depleted and you've got a goal in mind and you're just out there by yourself and and you just start to get tired, and you're like, all right, I'm just going to walk for a little bit. Yeah. And then, all right, now I need to start running. Oh, my legs are already cramping up. Yeah. It's so much more difficult to start again. Yeah. When it comes to our walk with God, it's no different. Right. Second Peter 2 and 20, we read it already. says, For if after, for if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And the message version reads it as, If they escape from the slum of sin by experiencing our Master and, Savior Lord, or Master and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then slid back into the same old life again, they're worse than if they had never left. So God knows that we are worse off without Him. That if we come to him, you know, we've been living in the world, we've been living in sin, we've been doing whatever we wanted, and we decide, you know what, I'm going to get my life right. Somebody has uh, shared Jesus with me or whatever, I want to go. And you start, they start going to church, and, and they start uh, getting revelation of Jesus and who he is, and, and they're, they're getting knowledge of what he's done for them and all that. And then they decide, you know what, this isn't for me. So they go back out. It's so much harder for them. To want to try and get back in church. Amen. Because they're different. They're more knowledgeable of what they once, once knew, once, once lived. We cannot give up in the midst of the storm. We cannot stop. It's just one of those things that's inevitable. You cannot give up in the midst of the storm. We cannot walk away because the valley we're in. We cannot say, you know what, I've been in a low spot. I'm, I'm going to go try the world somebody's hurt me in church, somebody's said stuff to me, somebody's, that's one of the worst things we can do, right? Get inside our own heads. And and because somebody who is carnal, somebody who is human, has stepped on your toes, who has hurt your feelings, to walk away from God. Because who are you really hurting in the end? Right? You're not hurting that person that stepped on your toes because chances are they probably don't even care in the first place. Right? We cannot walk away because of the valley. God has brought us this far. He doesn't plan on stopping now. Right? His word tells us that He will never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He spoke that in to us. These are words that we get to read because He knows that we need to hear them. Our walk with God is not just something to be taken lightly. It is an endurance race. It is something that is going to challenge you. It is something that is going to, uh, want to try and want you to quit so many times because uh, just stopping just seems so enjoyable because you're just going through things. You're going through valleys. You're going through... Uh, dark places, and it just uh, you just don't see that light at the end of the tunnel just yet. It's like running that marathon. You start off, you're feeling great. Things are awesome. You've been conditioning for this. You start running, and then then you start, you start hitting mile one, mile two, mile three. You start getting a little bit slower. By the halfway point, you feel like you've been doing really good. Then your body hits a wall. Your muscles start tightening up you're getting fatigued, you're dehydrated, maybe you've been skipping those stations because you're just on a mission. And so then your, your time is so much slower, so you convince yourself, well, maybe if I just walk, maybe if I just, just sit down here and I just rest for a minute, then I'll be ready to pick back up. Let my body just relax just a little bit, and then when I'm ready, I'll pick back up and I'll start again, right? That's something we've heard so many times in the church, right? Somebody walks away because they feel like they just got other things that they need to take care of. Things that they just didn't get to experience yet. And, and they want to be able to experience life. And there's going to be a time. I'll, I'll get it right. I'll get it right. I'll get it right in the end. There will be, there'll be time that I get it right. I've got time. I'm still, I'm still young. I'll get it right. But we don't know what's, what tomorrow holds how many times have you read in the news how there was a car accident somebody lost their life it happens it happens all the time there may not be time to get it right and we can't run that risk because we're here now and we can't stop we can't turn back we can't look back on our past and be like you know what our past it wasn't too bad living in sin doing all that stuff before right the devil knows that. The devil, I tell you, he knows how to play tricks on you. He knows how to put thoughts in your mind to make you think that it's not really that bad. Things will be okay. Is it, we saw it at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. He said, surely God's not going to kill you. Did he say it? <laughs> it's going to happen. He knows how to word things. So we can't not give up. Musicians, you can come. And you guys go ahead and stand with me. There's a song that I was listening to as I was uh, studying. And, and oftentimes it just happens with me. I don't know why. Uh, this is just kind of how it, God seems to work in me, I guess. Um, that I'll be studying and he just seems to throw a song in there that maybe I've heard many times before. Maybe I've never heard it before. But the, some of the words just stick out to me. A song... Uh, is by Colton Dixon. It's called All That Matters. Just some of the lyrics says, this world will fade and life will change, but all that matters is that I matter to you. That's all that matters. It says, you've counted every breath, each hair upon my head, you know exactly who I am and will always. It says all that matters is that I matter to you. If we would get that in our mind and just think for a moment that all that matters to God is that we matter. Now, Jesus went to a cross to die for us. You guys have heard of the lashings. You've heard of the scars, the blood that was shed. This is nothing new to anybody sitting in here but he did that for us he chose to do that even though he already knew how wicked we would become he already knew what was going to come he would already experienced it beforehand he knew what uh, what us humans were capable of but he decided that he was going to give us another chance and that he was going to bear our sin so this altar's open and I just want somebody to understand that don't give up. Whatever you're facing, you're going to make it through. If everyone would just bow their head, eyes closed. It doesn't matter what the devil's trying to tell you. It doesn't matter what your friends, your coworkers, people's trying to tell you and influence you on. Life is not better outside of these four walls. Your walk will not get any better if you decide to turn your back on God. He's brought you here. I want you to think back to the time when you've received the Holy Ghost, when you spoke in tongues for the first time when you came in here, when somebody first told you about Jesus. If you can remember that time, just think about it. God has called you and he has brought you to a place. He has put you here in this place for a time such as this. He doesn't want you to walk away down. He doesn't want you to think that things will be better and that, it just, that you're not worthy. He wants you to understand that, that you matter to him. That you are important. He wants you to worship. He wants you to praise. He wants you to lift your hands. But most of all, he wants you to keep pressing forward. This is a race, people. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. To him who will hold on to the end will receive the greatest reward. To spend an eternity with an ever-loving God that cared so much for your soul that he died on a cross for you so you would not have to. You'll just lift your hands and sing as musicians sing. Hallelujah.